Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, our special guest is Dr. Scott Harris, public health officer for Alabama. Also, Chip Brownlee takes a look at COVID by the numbers and police and protesters take to the streets. No justice, no peace. All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. of Alabama politics, where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by Josh Moon, columnist for APR and investigative reporter, and also Susan Britt, my life partner and constant companion. Hi, Josh. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Good. Coming to you from beautiful downtown Otala, or outside. Hey, hey, but, uh, you know, yes, another beautiful day all around the uh, around the state, isn't it? Yes, it is. I tell you though, I'm very concerned because we have seen peaceful protest turn violent, and not because of the protesters. We have seen some violence at mm-hmm. some of the protests, and for the most part, it has been kept down. The mayors in Huntsville and Birmingham, Tuscaloosa, and Montgomery and Mobile have all been successful, with the exception of Huntsville. Okay, I got you. I got you, okay? You're gonna walk backwards with me, okay? I'm not gonna shoot you again. Okay. Come on, I got it. Come on, baby. No, they shot me on the side. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's go. Let's go. You ready? Come on, let's go. They shot me like five times. My big white ass. We got you. This is what it's all about. Huntsville was an absolute disgrace and nightmare for those protesters, Josh, and it is just unacceptable that Tommy Battle the mayor, the police chief, the sheriff of Madison County, and the attorney general of of Alabama are trying to whitewash the fact that police attacked peaceful protesters. Yeah, and that's that's uh, that's a good word to use is they attacked peaceful protesters. Um, uh, you know, I, I you kind of got the sense that they they bought into. Uh, social media rumors uh about what was going to go down in huntsville and uh you know and it, it just is it seemed as though it, it, any sign they were looking for any indication to go in and deploy tear gas and shoot people with rubber bullets and chase people all through the ste- streets uh randomly spraying them with pepper spray and uh and and up until that point there was no indication whatsoever that there was anything nefarious that was going to take place uh you know the crowd had been fairly subdued uh, uh they'd had a good uh, meeting uh, led by the NAACP and uh at the end of it yeah there there were some emotions that were that were running high as you might expect 
Uh, I mean, I don't know why anyone would have thought differently about that, but uh, you know, they started the march around, and uh, you know, I, I know the police keep saying, or the you know, police chief and mayor and everybody keeps saying, well, you know, they didn't have a permit. Well, you don't, you don't really need uh, to do that. Uh, you know, it's it's in the it's in the law that if you're not blocking streets and you know, police can direct you to a place, but if you're in an impromptu gathering uh, over a breaking news event. Uh, it's your right as an American citizen to peacefully assemble. Uh, you know, you Under don't have any minute. right whatsoever now to do bad things. But no. you have a, you do have a right to peacefully assemble and air your grievances about the gov- the government. And and look, we none of us condone violence. I, I understand how people are upset, mm-hmm. but what we're looking at here, in my opinion, Susan, is a watershed moment in which. Black citizens, even being joined by white citizens, are calling for the promise of the Declaration of Independence and our Pledge of Allegiance to be fulfilled finally. They're not asking for any special treatment. They're being asked to be treated equally under the law and that there's justice and liberty for everyone. I mean, that's really all these protests are about. Now, they were sparked because of the murder of George Floyd. But this is about systemic racism that's been a part of our culture for a long, long time. But we don't need protest of police violence answered with more police violence. Right. Well, there wasn't any violence in Huntsville to start with. They and, the, and the police chief said, you know, it was getting close to dark and they didn't want to roll the dice, so they went ahead and attacked the crowd. I mean... This is just insane. I mean, they yeah, got out their, their war chest of, of like water bottles and face masks and eye protection, and that was provoking the police? Yeah, I, you know, you can't... It, it's hard for me to, to listen to you justify spraying them with, with pepper spray and tear gas, uh, and, and justifying that by saying, well, we thought they were going to do some things. You know, I mean, that's what, is this nonsense, a minority right? report? That's not the way it works. No, this is, this is not the minority report where you can, you know, go yeah. after people because you think they're going to do something. Right, which is right. exactly what they yeah. did. And listen, you know, uh, and the other thing I think we need to say, too, is is that everyone appreciates police officers, okay? And, and I do as well. I, you know, I, I, they're, and, and they're right. The majority of police officers do a great job. Uh, they, they get paid way too little to do that job. Uh, and, and, and I think they should be paid more. But at the same time, we have come to a point now where we have militarized the police to an extent where I believe they are kind of taking on that mindset of, of they're out facing enemies now and not governing or not helping uh, protect the peace and the people and serving the people of their communities there. Uh, you know, if, if you want a good example of what it should be, go back to the Andy Griffith show, uh, you know, and... And that's what your sheriff and your police officers ought to be, and that's the mindset they ought to have. Uh, but instead, we've taken on one of uh, basically soldiers going into a hostile territory. Yeah. And, and I think that's when you do that and you, you dress them up that way, that's the mindset I, I they have. I think you're right. And, and we don't have enough time to talk about everything. Again, we're not disrespecting anybody. No. And that's what we're calling for. But right now, I was reading a, a, an op-ed by Condoleezza Rice who is a respected Republican black woman who said she hopes this is a moment like Rosa Parks not getting, you know, refusing to, 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 to change seats on the bus. And, you know, that's going to take us all coming together. I mean, this is a time we also need to look to our leadership. 
And if we can't look to uh, our political leadership, Josh, I think we need to have corporate leadership come forward because I've talked to several uh, leaders in the business community and they said, this is a time to put an end to the racism that we see rampant in, in, in the whole country. And how, how fantastic would it be for the CEOs of Alabama, of Alabama of all states, to start to call for this the stop of racism and all that coming from the seat of the Confederacy? How, what a message that would send to the entire yeah. United States. Well, they got the power to do it. I can tell you that they have they have the absolute power to do it. They have the money. They they control what goes on in here. And uh, and if they want to do it, listen. I'll tell you this. Uh, any of them, I work with any of them. Uh, I work with anybody. Alabama Power, Regions Bank, anybody that wants to work, anybody that wants to do this, uh, I'll I'll help get a message out. I'll help do whatever you want to do. We all will. Well, I think right now we have to come together as a state and a nation and say, look. If, the, if any of us are mistreated, then all of us are losing. All we're looking for is equal justice under the law and life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness exactly. for all people. Equally. Equally. All right, Josh, well, thanks for joining us today. We could talk about this for months, and we will yeah, be probably talking will. about it for months. Yeah, right. I imagine we will talk about it for a while. <laughs> yeah. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. We'll be right back. Dr. Scott Harris is our guest. do a little fishing. Of course, none of us will be wearing our seat belts. I'll lose control of the truck, wrap it around a tree, and kill us all. Okay. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. I'm John Merrill. As your Secretary of State, my goal is to ensure that each and every eligible U.S. citizen that's a resident of Alabama is registered to vote and has a photo ID. If you're concerned about going to the polls on July the 14th, we want to encourage you to download an absentee ballot application at alabamavotes.gov or contact your local circuit clerk. Make sure you enclose a copy of your photo ID when you submit your application. We may not see you in person, but through absentee, we'll see you at the polls. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Our special guest today is State Health Officer, Dr. Scott Harris. Dr. Harris, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. We are happy to have you. You, you have been very busy over the last three months. It, it's a demanding job anyway, but you have been involved in making what many would consider life and death situations. And I want to start with that. I was wondering if you could explain for our viewers how the Ivy administration 
has made the decisions that it has made to, to once stay at home, stay safer at home, and now as we gradually are lifting more and more uh, restrictions on activities, how were those decisions made? What was the process? Sure, I, I'll, I'll do my best. Obviously, uh, I, I don't speak for her administration, but our, our job in public health really is to, to sort of put together the best data we can and try to come up with, with policy options based on you know different things that, that could work and not work. Um, I, I think we have, um, uh, I guess in a way, we're, we're fortunate that I can almost put our public health blinders on and try to concentrate strictly on what the numbers show us and what the data seems to be. Uh, and then, and then we present that information, and, and our department has worked really well with the, the governor and the governor's staff. I, I have to say, I, I really uh, grown to appreciate and respect them very much. Um, they really have tried to uh, consider what the data and the science says, and 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 we feel very very supported by that. And and at the same time, obviously, the governor has a lot more things to consider. You know, I, I think sure. we all feel like public health is the most important thing, but it, it's not. You know the only important thing and so so the governor is charged with that job of trying to balance all those things which is not easy at all um i, I think it's you know uh, i certainly feel comfortable saying i think she talks a lot to washington dc i think uh, she's on a number of calls with them every week and tries to get an idea of what's going on nationally uh and i think it, it's uh that she probably talks to other governors quite a bit particularly governors in our part of the country as well um who you know are facing kind of similar challenges as, as we are here in Alabama, and so I, I think all those things are things that she and her staff have to put together and try to balance. Um, the, the data from public health that we give her is only as good as the data we can find, and, and we're well aware it's not always been perfect. Um, but we've you know tried to try to do the best with what we've had, uh, and I, I think the thing I, I would say overall is that. The, the governor has been very receptive to, to what we show her. We just explain the facts as we know them. We try to see what strategies work or don't work in other states and, and lay that out for her. Uh, and then she's, you know, unfortunately has a really difficult task of trying to balance all that with other issues. Well, I'll tell we, from what we've seen is the governor and your office and her office get high, high marks on handling this. It, it's the unknown, we don't know. One of the things that the public looks for, and you just mentioned it, one of the things the public looks for in times of crisis like this are hard facts. You know, so you were talking about collecting the data, analyzing it. How? Explain for our viewers how that data is uh, collected and then analyzed. Sure, um, I, I have to tell you. Uh, sometimes, uh, Bill, it feels like it's a really big mess. You know, we have. We have streams of data coming in from a lot of different places into different parts of our organization even. And it became clear early on that all those things didn't always communicate as well as we would like. And so, uh, for example, we get test results uh, from laboratories and they're submitted to our state laboratory. But then we also get reports from, from medical physicians and hospitals that may come straight to our uh, Division of Infectious Diseases and Outbreaks, which is a completely separate division. Uh, and then we have hospital data uh, that comes in through uh, something called the Alabama Incident Management System, which is a computer system that the hospitals use voluntarily. They're not required to report to it. It's really set up in case we have a hurricane or an ice storm or a tornado when one or two hospitals may get overwhelmed. Uh, nobody ever really uh, saw it as something where every single hospital in the state would be reporting multiple times a day, you know, into the same right. system. 
so so we have a, a number of these things coming together and and it you know took a little while for us to figure out exactly what data we had how it all integrated together and then there's just things that we know that we don't know you know this as you mentioned this is a new disease we don't actually you know completely understand um, how it gets from community to community in some cases we, we don't know how to predict what we're going to see the way we can, you know, make pretty confident predictions about flu season, for example. Uh, and so, so there's just a lot of data that we're all trying to assemble and really every state's doing this at the same time, you know, and we, we don't have a lot of other things to go on. So our, our team has done a really good job of just putting together um, just sort of ways to visualize data, you know, with our own internal dashboards that try to accumulate all these things together. There, there's a lot of technological challenges and, you know, we're we're not you know Microsoft or Apple. We're we're the health department, and, and we don't have yeah. a, a whole raft of IT folks who are from Silicon Valley who are building these products for us. We do have a really good IT staff uh, who's doing that. Um, but obviously, this is just not what we do all the time. And so, uh, it's taken a while to to get that out there. Um, we're very proud of the external dashboard that the public can see. Um, you know, we have a, a, a website that you know people see a few thousand times a day normally. And now we're getting between two and a half and three million looks a day. And, right, and, right. and you know, and we're, not, we're not designed to handle that just from an infrastructure standpoint. So, so a lot of issues around data. Um, the final thing I would say, though, is that um, I think there's an expectation on the public that because we have all this data, that there's just a hard and fast uh, trigger that determines every single thing we do. And, and you know, there, there's really not. This is, again, an unknown disease. There's a lot of... Um, uh, things that we do based on consensus of what other public health officials think is probably the right thing to do. Uh, but, it, but in the end, you know, it really uh, it comes down to making decisions with incomplete data and not always being sure what your outcomes are going to be. Sure. And, and, and we, like you said, everybody's operating a, a little bit by the seat of their pants. We've got about uh, a half a minute left. And I do want to ask you what, as we've loosened the restrictions on interaction with folks. What is your best advice to people as they're moving out back into the public and back into gatherings and back into restaurants? What 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 do you have to say to people? Um, please don't think the worst of this is over. Um, I, I think when people see things getting back to normal, they think suddenly, oh, we must be over the hump and, and I don't have to be careful anymore. It's actually completely the opposite. More, more than ever, we need people to be aware of other people, of staying six feet apart, of wearing masks or face coverings in public, washing your hands. But when we were all sort of stuck in the house, um, those were important, but not as important if you weren't trying to see anyone anyway. Now that right. people are back to work, people are back in social situations, they're in church situations, they're in groups of people, this is more important than ever. And we've still got many months to go, uh, and we're not going to see the end of this, I don't think, until we have an effective treatment or vaccine. Well, we want to thank all your thank you for all your hard work. Thank you for your staff, and thank you for what you're doing for the state of Alabama to help keep us safe. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, and I appreciate being with you today. Thank you. Our special guest today has been. Public Health Officer, Dr. Scott Harris. You're watching The V. We'll be right back with more news and opinion. I'm John Merrill, 
As your Secretary of State, my goal is to ensure that each and every eligible U.S. citizen that's a resident of Alabama is registered to vote and has a photo ID. If you're concerned about going to the polls on July the 14th, we want to encourage you to download an absentee ballot application at alabamavotes.gov or contact your local circuit clerk. Make sure you enclose a copy of your photo ID when you submit your application. We may not see you in person, but through absentee, we'll see you at the polls. Hey man, what are you doing today? Um, playing the game. Thought I'd go out for a drive later, maybe. Text some friends while I'm doing it. Scroll through social media. Kill a family four and a head on collision. Cool, man. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Welcome back to The B, the voice of Alabama politics. We're joined today by Chip Brownlee. How are you doing, Chip? I'm doing good. How are y'all? Good. We're great. We're great. We're great. Uh, there's been so much going on that the COVID-19 pandemic has kind of been off the table a little bit this week, but it is not over with and it's not off our minds and neither should it be off anyone else's minds. When we spoke with Dr. Harris earlier, he reminded our viewers that the worst is not over. And we're seeing that because we continue the numbers of cases, deaths, hospitalizations all continue to climb. Yeah, I mean, you keep hearing this kind of refrain of people worrying about a second wave. And I think what's important is that it's not clear and there's no evidence to suggest that we're through the first wave. Right. Um, and, you know, that was a really good interview. I think something that's important for people to know is that over the last couple of days, there has been a computer issue at the Alabama Department of Public Health. I, I talked to Dr. Harris about this uh, yesterday and or earlier this week. And, you know, he said that it looks and to some people like the cases are declining, but that's because there is a really big lag in the time between when the uh, state gets a positive case or is notified about a positive case and when that shows up on the public dashboard. So before this data issue started, we were seeing 500, 600, 400 cases a day. The seven day and 14 day averages were as high as they've ever been. Um, so we're definitely not through this first wave. We saw some kind of peak in mid-April. It dipped at dipped back down for a minute and then spiked even higher and I don't think you can say that's even the first wave uh, done and we're in a second wave I think we're still in the first wave and it's not clear when it's going to be over aren't we anticipating another spike because of lag in reported cases the data problems they're having that there should be another spike coming soon yeah I think it's really important for people to know that this is not uh, the Department of Public Health missing positive cases this is an, this is an issue of them getting the positive cases on the public-facing dashboard. So right. whenever right. that issue is fixed, this is a problem with the national vendor of the software that they use, not a, a public, not an Alabama problem. This is a bigger problem than just Alabama. Um, whenever that issue is fixed, uh, we will see cases go back up again because they're going to put in back, you know, put in those positive cases that have been missing from the last week. So we but should see some kind of spike. 
Right. But again, that won't be because it's a spike in cases. It'll be because the data is lagging. Mm -hmm. But the cases have been going up, continue to go up. They don't, they're not going down. The other thing that we're seeing, Chip, and I, I know you were tracking this very early on, is we have areas where it's like everything's calm and then there's a plume of where it's just a massive influx of cases from a particular county or two counties. And let's say like uh, Birmingham, Jefferson County may calm down and then boom, over in Tuscaloosa, you've got a real outbreak. This is something that they have not figured out yet how it works or even how to handle it, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's been an issue all over the state. I mean, Montgomery happened that way. As soon as things seemed to calm down in Mobile, a little bit. Uh, cases spiked in Montgomery. They're still high in Montgomery. Hospitalizations are still very high. Uh, the same thing happened in Tuscaloosa. Now you have to look at each individual county because the issue in Montgomery is that the cases were spiking and it was not from a single source. So the Department of Public Health says it was community spread and there wasn't, it wasn't connected to any single event or business or nursing home or long-term care facility. Right. Um, when you look at some other counties, Walker County over the past couple of weeks has seen a big spike. That was connected to one business. In Tuscaloosa County, the majority of the spike seems to be from several different long-term care facilities in a state uh, psychiatric center that had outbreaks of cases, although there was community spread there as well. Um, so it's not just, uh, you have to look at each individual situation, and I think this is what the Department of Public Health in the state is trying to do. They're trying to get together these contact tracers and epidemiologists who can go in and kind of identify these outbreaks and respond to them quickly. They call it like some kind of uh, a strike force or, you know, a quick response team. Um, and that yeah. would be, you know, whenever that, and they are doing that, but I think they probably need more resources to be able to really do that on the scale that needs to be done. Well, as we know, since 2010, the, 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 the employees at the Department of Public Health has been cut drastically. And so when this outbreak happened, we had a diminished staff so that they have, they're working with a fraction of what they used to have in peaceful times. And they're doing a great job, but again, they are understaffed, they're outgunned and outmanned by this virus. And, and, and I think that that, that that's, one of the times when you have to look and say, it was unwise to defund public health so greatly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, nobody wants government <laughs> until you need it. So it's great to cut the, cut the costs until you need that, that uh, kind of infrastructure to be there to respond to a crisis. Yeah, well, um, because government is, go yeah, go ahead. Even if you restaff right now, then all of those people have to be trained. So you've got, yeah. you know, another lag period. Yeah. Yeah. And I well, mean, the State Department of Public Health, you know, they say that they have 120 contact tracers, but they're going to need a whole lot more. I mean, you're seeing states like New York, granted, they're much bigger states saying that they're going to need to hire thousands of contact tracers. Um, Alabama won't need that many, but they're going to need several hundred more. Um, and this is a this is a bigger problem than just. Um, you know, cuts over time. I mean, those were really detrimental to the department, but they're going to need a whole lot more go going forward. And I think hopefully 
Uh, CARES Act money will be spent to do that, but we'll have to wait and see. Well, we've got about 30 seconds left. As you continue to look at the data and as you evaluate it, uh, what is the bottom line that you, you, you feel we ought to be aware of? I think the bottom line is that this, this virus has not gone away. The news coverage has definitely dwindled because of, of the protests. Um, which is, you know, those are, it, it, that's a very important issue right now. But the virus is not gone. And I think people still need to take it seriously. We're not through really the first wave. There may be a second wave in the fall. And we really need to get the infrastructure in place and the community together to be able to respond to whatever that's going to look like in the fall because that will coincide with uh, our normal flu season. Um, and that could be, you know, a big issue. Uh, so wear your mask and stay home if you can. Yep. Well, thank you for all the hard work you're doing to keep the people of Alabama informed about COVID-19. You're doing a great job. Thank you, Chip. Thanks for having me. You've been watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. From all of us here, stay safe, have courage, and have hope. You watch us because we watch them.